to Awakening Today. This is a twice a week resource to encourage you in your Bible reading plan, which is available at awakeningchurch.com. We want to encourage you to continue to read as you are in quarantine or isolation, to take this time with the Lord, to read through the wisdom literature. And these episodes are here to encourage you in your reading as you're reading scripture alone. This is the week of March 29th, and this is the first of two episodes. We're glad you're here. My name's Chris. Let's get started. Well, this week you read Job 36 through 40 and Proverbs 19 through 22. And we've got to spend a lot of time in Job. The Proverbs are these beautiful supplementary materials. Um that are mostly self-explanatory. Last week we talked about the equation that Proverbs kind of assumes and the conversation that they're having with the other pieces of wisdom literature. Well, a lot happens in Job, and we are just having you kind of read the beginning and the end, but I want to fill in the gaps because the prologue of Job was what you read last week, Job 1 through 3, and this is kind of the epilogue, the end. But a lot happens in the middle, but it can be summarized in this way. What happens in the middle of Job is that he's visited by three friends. Of course, you remember last week he was afflicted with suffering, incredible suffering. But three friends join him, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And each of these friends, the writer of this book is intentional to include all of them. Each of them represent the best of ancient wisdom. In other words, the time that this was written, thousands of years ago, these three friends are representing really the common wisdom of the age. And there's a cycle that Job, the book, goes through. The cycle is this. Job speaks. This is at the start of chapter four. One of the friends responds. Then Job responds to that friend and then another friend speaks. So there's conversations happening throughout the whole book of Job. And this is important for us to know as readers because we are listening in on these conversations and we, as the readers, are trying to discern whose wisdom is winning. Is it Job? Is it one of his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, or Zophar? Right? These are all assumptions of wisdom, that um, presentations of wisdom of the ancient um yeah, the ancient wisdom. But all of them, all of them have this one thing in common. They have this huge assumption. And this assumption is that equation we talked about last week. All of these friends operate off of the equation, do good and you will be rewarded or live a righteous life and God will bless you. It's a kind of antiquated religious wisdom that has been around for a long time. And while each of the friends articulates a a different kind or form of that wisdom, that's their underlying assumption is that equation. Do good and good will happen to you. And because of this, they tend to argue that something must be wrong with Job because they consider this assumption to be the guiding principle of all of life. Job continues uh, throughout all of these chapters to claim that he's innocent. And if he's innocent, God's not punishing him, but the problem must be on God. He must be messing something up here. Job's friends disagree. They tend to say God is not the problem. 
God runs the world perfectly, and so the problem has to be Job. In this conversation, though, what the writer is trying to have us understand is that life is more complicated than an equation. We talked about this last week, but life doesn't work off of an algorithm. And this frustrates Job. Job keeps hearing all of his friends and he continues to get angry because their way isn't working. And have you ever been there? Maybe you've been there right now with this virus. People are offering all kinds of opinions and wisdom, right? I mean, right now I just feel inundated with sloppy wisdom and um, explanations that are falling short. And I think what happens in crisis and what happens in pain is we desperately, desperately want to explain it. We have this sense that if we were to explain, if we were able to explain the pain we're going through, it would make sense. If we could understand why this bad thing is happening, we would find comfort. But the book of Job says it's just not true. The best of ancient wisdom shows up in his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar. They're all giving their best interpretation of it. But listen to Job as he cries out in frustration. This is Job 16.7. He says, surely God has worn me out. He says in Job 9.23, God mocks those in despair. And there's this frustration. And actually in chapter 31, Job finally just goes on a rant. And at the end of his rant in Job 31, 35, he says this, I sign now my defense, right? I'm, I'm closing shop here. Let the almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. What happens to us in pain is we seek an explanation. Not only do we seek an explanation, we do what Job does. We demand an explanation. And you might be there, and this is the great comfort of Job, is that even in the demand for an for a explanation to pain, we know God listens and God hears. But where you jumped in, Job 36, was actually the arrival of a surprise guest. See, after Job is frustrated and he signs his defense, there's just one beat before another friend arrives. His name's Elihu, and he actually is the first person in this story with a Hebrew name. Although he's not Hebrew, he has a Hebrew name. By the way, Job is not a Hebrew or an Israelite, nor are the three of his friends. This is the first person that kind of enters in in a sneaky way as a sort of voice for the Hebrew wisdom. And he says, Job and your three friends, all of you guys are all right and all wrong. He says, look, God is just. You got that right. Job is righteous. You got that right, too. Yeah, so, you know, Job, you're right and the friends are right. But he says, you're also all wrong because suffering is mysterious. And he says, it might be that suffering could be a warning. And it also might be that suffering could build your character. But one thing is really, really certain that he drives home this final friend. He says, whatever you do when you're in pain, as you're demanding explanations, as you're fighting for an argument or an explanation for why this is happening to you, why this is going on in the world. He says, be careful of one thing. Be careful of accusing God. Yeah, be careful of accusing God. This is what you read this week, Job 37, in fact, 14 through 20. 
This is what Elihu says at the end of 37. And this is the one friend Job does not reply to. This is the one friend Job has nothing to say. In fact, we realize here at the end that we've just gone on this crazy journey of wisdom. Job 4 through 35, 31 chapters of Job is a massive exhaustion of wisdom and its, and its worldly connotations. It shows the emptiness of worldly wisdom. It's meaninglessness when suffering comes. It shows how certain worldviews just cannot hold water when certain terrible things happen. And suffering, when difficulty approaches, we realize that we can't trust everything we hear. And I think this is a really important lesson for us during this season with the virus and self-quarantine, is that we are hearing so much the three friends are approaching us in our Twitter feed, our Instagrams as people are posting their own thoughts. Social media, we are being inundated still with tons and tons of thoughts. But is it true wisdom? You see, Job, right around chapter 37, we see the exhaustion of all the wisdom and we're forced to take a beat and consider it. Because at the end of 37, Job has no reply, and all we have is an exhaustion of wisdom. The New Testament warns us of this. Colossians 2, verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. 1 Timothy 6.20, this is the last verse, six, uh, chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. These are the last verses of that letter Paul wrote to Timothy. It says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called, quote-unquote, knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith." One thing we need to heed when we're reading wisdom literature is this. The difference between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom is presence and experience. The difference between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom is presence and experience. Here's what I mean. All of Job's friends had thoughts. And all of Job had feelings. Have you heard about this, right? Sending thoughts and, you know, I'm sending my thoughts, right? Um, I'm wishing, wishing well to all those out there that are suffering, right? That's, in the end, the Bible looks at those thoughts and wisdoms that are postured out there as, as empty. And the biblical wisdom, God's wisdom includes presence and experience. What do we mean by this? All of Job's friends only offered thoughts, but God offers himself. God is the one who is present with us in our pain, presence, and God is the one who knows our pain, experience. God is the one who includes both presence and experience to his thoughts. God has thoughts in the book of Proverbs of how to live. We should walk by them and live by them. But God also offers us his very self. You don't believe me? Well, you'll read in Job 38, 39, and 40, these following chapters that you have read this week, that God 
shows up at the end of Job. You see, the book of Job is a beautiful exploration of wisdom because you realize there are actually not four friends of Job. There's five. And each friend gets closer and closer to the truth. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, Elihu shows up and you think, this sounds like a Hebrew wisdom, but Job doesn't find it satisfactory. And then in chapter 38, God thunders and appears in a whirlwind. The fifth friend shows up and offers Job not just thoughts, but presence and experience. And the book of Job is all about however life gets mysterious with suffering and difficulty and hardship. The one thing we need is the presence of God and His very voice in our life when things get hard. But that'll have to be next episode when we talk through God showing up in the whirlwind. Until then, grace and peace be with you as you read God's word and seek him daily. Love you guys.